Hey guys, welcome to a TGS podcast slash video with Dan Reynolds from Basque. Thank welcome, you. mate. Thank you very much. Um, unless you've been hiding under a rock this last week, um, as of Monday morning, although there was plenty leaked about 48 hours beforehand uh, by the Gun Trade Association, amongst others. What's happened? So, uh, joint announcement across nine organisations on Monday, which is uh, calling for a voluntary transition away from lead and single-use plastic in shotgun ammunition for live quarry shooting. Okay, my first question of any of any sense actually is: Can you explain voluntary? Yeah. Does voluntary mean that we have to do it, and you have volunteered us all? No. Or, so there will be no significant law, or is this like a, there's voluntary till 2024, but by 2025 they're going to ban it proper anyway, so we might as well get used to it. Uh, difficult to judge uh, in terms of what legislative impacts we might see, but voluntary means voluntary. Um, and I think one of the feedbacks that I've been getting, you know, phone calls into our office or emails in is that um, there is a ban on lead. Well, absolutely not the case. So it is a voluntary transition away over a phase period of five years. Um, this is an attempt at self-regulation, one presumes. Absolutely, yes. because you only have to look at uh, Europe. So you look at the European Chemicals Agency and the European Commission uh, who have gone to and fro over... So European Chemicals Agency basically look at all types of toxic substance um, and lead comes back onto the agenda in various guises. So we will have cynic go out of petrol, paint, pipes, da da da. I can explain all that, uh, but ECHA have basically gone to European Commission and said, look, we believe that there are um, impacts of lead in the environment for wildlife and there are impacts of lead on human health in relation to uh, lead shot and lead ammunition. Um, here are the risks and the EC have gone, okay, we understand the risks now, European Chemicals Agency, you go away and prepare a restriction dossier. They are in the process of preparing that dossier. That, if you look at the European Chemicals Agency timetable, will be with us in October this year. If you look at the timetable, the implementation of- Do you know what's in it? We don't know what's in it. But we are presuming that that will be anti-lead. Uh, absolutely, it will be looking at how they mitigate the risk of lead okay. in the environment and in and in food through use of lead shot. And they're also looking at um, uh, lead in sort of fishing tackle and, and weights and that yeah. sort of thing as, as part and parcel of the process. But come back to the point that in 2022 in Europe, whatever restrictions are in that dossier, once they've gone through a period of consultation, will become law. In will Europe. be put into legislation in Europe. So, um, and many people thing is, it's very likely in Europe they will go led legally before or non-led legally before we will so actually we're extending our life beyond that of every european country uh, potentially yeah so if for we, life quarry shooting with shotguns yeah so if we look at the way that uh, europe are doing it, it it will have an impact on all ammunition um or that is uh, the suspicion that we're looking at so and you may say well that doesn't affect us we've gone through Brexit now, uh, sort of finally that's happened and by the end of the year, uh, you know, we would have gone through this transition period. Um, so two things on that, our government may turn around and say, actually, we like the look of that legislation. And by and 2022, we could it. also potentially be involved in that anyway. Be looking at a way in which, that you know, there is a, a ban, a legislative mm -hmm. ban, which would be possibly res very restrictive. Um, on the flip side, if they don't put a legislative ban in on this country, We've got to remember that what we shoot in terms of game, over 
somewhere in the 60% mark is exported to Europe. And if they can't buy it, whilst I can't preempt what's going to be in the restriction dossier, if we are looking at a market that cannot take game which has been shot with lead, what do we do with that? So uh, one of the questions wasn't really a question, it was more of a statement is why aren't you restrict why did you choose steel over quantity of pheasants? Um because I think uh, if you look at the, so the, the way that the um, game industry, uh, game shooting industry is set up, that is around uh, bags and pheasants per bag and that's what produces the income. Uh, and the income underpins employment, it underpins conservation spend, it underpins the social well-being element, um, and it also underpins uh, the economic benefit. And yeah. you as a gun shop will see that, people coming in to buy guns, cartridges, equipment, all those sorts of things. So once you make a decision, if that if that is the binary choice of we go steel or we go um, uh, less bags for pheasants, um, your, all of those things that cascade out of that, your economic benefit, your employment benefit, they start to shrink because your top tier Way more people in. lose in that scenario. Absolutely. Way more Absolutely. people lose in that and scenario. And as a result, as a uh, community of people, shooting community, um, uh, that has a great propensity to impact on us because when we're going back to government to uh, lobby on issues or seek to um, you know, preserve our rights on certain things, actually if we're going back to them and saying, well, actually now the economic benefit is you know about half of what it used to be and the conservation spends about half what it used to be you know they're not their ears aren't pricked up as much by that so it's not to say that it is a binary choice but that is the potential yeah, it's issue. a really logical uh, way of going uh, around it uh, as opposed equally, to losing out yeah and equally uh, what we are producing as a game shooting industry is a food product yeah um and there is a demand and there is a growing demand and we're seeing things, uh, you know, the British Game Alliance at the moment, they are opening up markets overseas, abroad, they're opening up internal markets. Um, and actually, if there's ever de demand there for it, if we have to change the way in which we shoot in order to fulfil that demand, yeah. we remain stronger in the long run. Yes, if we change how we shoot, because we don't want to change... So, sorry, if we change how we supply uh, that food product, mm -hmm. um, i.e. we reduce the amount just because we don't want to change the way that we shoot. It's, it's a stupid, stupid way of looking at it. So I'm I, trying to have this discussion with a few people. Uh, yeah, I mean, so it's... it's um, look, change is always difficult. Uh, and, and I don't... And this is that. the first big change we've had in ammunition for... since nitro-approving 100 odd years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, more than a hundred years ago, and since then it's been fairly, fairly stagnant. Is that fair to say? Probably it's been fairly stagnant in the ammunition market, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, the game shooting scene has changed, but that's by the by. Um, sort of off the back of that is, and it's not particularly linked, but it, I suppose it is all linked. Is obviously World Justice have just had an, another dig, another jab. Yeah. What is Basque's response to that? Or what will be Basque's response to that? So, um, absolutely in the middle. of getting that all together at the moment so strong uh, one would hope yeah no I'll, absolutely so wild justice uh are challenging game bird release on mm -hmm. the basis that um the potential that has a likely significant effect on european designated sites and they are claiming it may have a, an effect on those sites all within five kilometers so if you're releasing birds within on those sites within five kilometers what they are arguing is that it may have a significant effect on that european designation european designated site and the features of interest and because of that they are claiming that we need to then go through something called a habitats regulation assessment. Okay. 
hugely involved, uh, quite costly, and um, what they're basically saying is that much like a large development is in proximity to one of these sites, is that a release of game birds could be constituted a plan or a project. So, even though potentially those game birds have been alive there many years before. Uh, indeed, indeed, and one of the things they are challenging on is is, is the uh, you know is the change in density. So are people? And I think or has that got an impact? And does Basque have a stance on on that, or are you very much? I don't know. Does Basque have a stance on density of regular release? Do you say best practice or nothing, or are you kind of just ambiguous on the subject? Uh, no, we, uh, absolutely. So code of good shooting practice, uh, which is something all the organisations are signed up to and Basque is signed up mm -hmm. to, has a uh, density of release, which is basically the level at which uh, stopping densities don't have any detrimental impact. Would you put that in law? Would you be happy if that was law? Uh, a, a very good question. I would prefer, as with all things that we do, that we have a self-regulation. Mm -hmm. um, because a legal regulation, A is burdensome, B is costly. Um, and actually, I and think it's put in a, place by someone else. And, and it's put in place by somebody else. And once you put that regulation in, it's very easy that then that gets changed, your densities drop, etc., etc. And actually, we would rather be guided by uh, evidence. And you know, the, the current stocking densities are guided by really good evidence underpinned by research that GWCT and others have done. Um, so I don't necessarily think there's an issue there in terms of what we're doing about the wild justice legal challenge. Um, we have sought legal opinion um you have your own legal team we we have a uh so we have we have gone out to um uh an environmental qc to get a legal okay. opinion on on the wild justice challenge so not only on uh game bird release Sorry. but also on um the general license issues as well so we've got some advice back from that and we are now considering what our position is and how we are going to tackle from a from a legal standpoint the particular challenges that they have made work okay. is ongoing we that sounds good as long as work is ongoing and uh, and with some speed obviously no, haste, absolutely much yeah, haste. Yeah. Um, going back to the, the the magical steel debate how long has this been on the table how long have you guys known about it uh, how long have we known about it? I don't think we've known about it. it so, uh, no, how long has this decision been on the cards? Um, not a huge length of time, because the world, the world that we exist in... Um, months? Uh, years? Certainly not years. It is, a, it is a matter of months, and that is a... Uh, so it's a conscious decision by organisations, because they have a wide variety of factors that in order to preserve the future of shooting sports this is something that we need collectively as a community to do. Because it was quite a big turnaround from you guys being very much, I wouldn't say science-led potentially, but I would say firm in your belief that unless there was more convincing science yeah. on the detrimental impact of lead upon ourselves as a health issue, and more importantly, wild, more importantly wildlife, on a balanced wildlife, yeah that you guys were saying no and then i think this is why it was quite a big shock that you then came around and actually or yourself although obviously everyone's blaming you because you are the king of the organizations if you like uh, 160,000 members yeah. or whatever versus yeah. country alliance probably second biggest with a 70 odd uh close to 100 i think but yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. so yeah I, look we we naturally come in for some criticism whenever these things uh happen and occur but i i guess the way that I would view... Do you think you've handled it well? Let's go with that one. Um, 
I think there are there are multitude of ways to skin a cat. Is yes. probably what I would say. Um, and I think you have to have some courage and your conviction in terms of the way that you deal with things. And I mm. personally, my personal view is that the way that we went about it, because we are trying to coordinate across nine organisations with what is a fairly significant enactment is that in a very short period of time in a very short period of time um that that needs to be done in a is that was that any outside pressure involved in this decision or why was it such a sudden thing Uh, so it's not sudden is it you think you've given everyone five years to change their mind technically uh, and uh, eddie uh somerset hunters eddie put it quite well as this did we need a warm-up to the warm-up it's a good way of looking at it i guess yes i think so or at least yeah Difficult to say. Uh, and everyone just feels betrayed, maybe? Told, uh, told off. People might be feeling like that, and certainly some hurt. of the phone calls that I've got, that people are, are dissatisfied at the way that we went about it. I mean, the other thing to say is, and you, you raised the point about evidence, was that we shouldn't be thinking of evidence solely about the environmental and human health impacts of lead. Mm-hmm. We should be thinking about evidence in terms of how other countries are operating. We should be thinking about evidence of whether there are alternatives which are available on the market. Yeah. We should be thinking about evidence um, future proof in terms of what might be coming down the line from Europe. So yeah. we've got to think about all these things which are put into a big melting Making pot. yourself socially relevant. So single-use plastic is a massive thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm surprised you didn't go for that first years ago. Yeah, well, I think, I think there has been a um, progressive change and certainly we have always and there was a big campaign i think beginning of last season or certainly beginning of the year around moving to fiber what um for you know game shooting cartridges with with lead and, and i think you know that's the, that's the right way to go and let's reduce the amount of single use plastic um but it's difficult isn't it because we have got products which come on the market which you can have steel and you can have a biodegradable wad we've also got products that are there existing bismuth tungsten those sort of things which are slightly softer which you you know um which you could use but are are they cost viable alternative that's an interesting question because if you actually do the sums they're not not hugely so if we talk in terms of doing a um you know firing 250 shells off if you compare a slab of bismuth cartridges which oh, might be about 300 quid um, yeah 250 300 pound i would say yeah um compare that to a uh, sort of a, a good high-end game cartridge what yeah, 100 quid 110 quid 110 yeah. quid something like that actually over the course of a day comparative if you're firing that many shots what's the cost of the day been actually is that in a huge only on the basis of pheasant shooting i think yeah. so oh, the, the pheasant boys have I would have thought less of an argument on their hands, or at least it's a more easy, it's an easier conversation to have, isn't it? If you're spending a large amount of money to shoot pheasants, a small amount of money on cartridges just doesn't make a lot of difference. Let's say you go on a a large day where you fire a slab, that large day's cost you a couple of grand anyway. Spending a little bit more doesn't make too much of a difference. And I obviously understand that that is maybe not the case. Some people are stretching to get to that, yep. but shoot slightly less pheasants and less cartridge, and the cartridge bill will make up for it. So that's an understandable thing. Where it really hits home is the, the pigeon shooters, I yep. think, at the lower end of the market. And one of the questions I got is, do you have some kind of plan or project in place to potentially work with cartridge manufacturers to regulate the price of steel ammo to try and help bring that down? Will this be a communal move forward? Is that in your plan to try and keep accessibility high? <coughs> I think we would struggle, as with any industry, to regulate the price of something because mm-hmm. the price is determined by market factors, yeah. um, and those being, you know, market factors in terms of raw material costs as well as the sort of the, the getting them out, the outlets, and, and selling them the profit margins, etc. So, um, 
No, but I think probably where we are able to come in is, is to support cartridge manufacturers, is to go to government, is to get the, um, you know, to, to try and secure funding to support research and development, to improve availability, viability, new types of cartridge coming to the market. And there are, so we've got a couple of manufacturers who are producing steel cartridges with a biodegradable wad. We've got a new manufacturer who's no, just they, coming on to the scene. But they're more money, this is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, they are, they are, yeah. but, but equally... Uh, well, do you see this as maybe a just a change in the amount that people shoot? Do you think that's a bad thing uh, or a good thing? I, I would I would never want to go down the line of restricting the amount that people shoot because I think, you know, uh, if you think pigeons, for example, you, why would we want to reduce yes. the amount of people are shooting what, pigeons? You, 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 need, you need to shoot a lot. Precisely. Um, but again, I, I mean, I, I don't know... Ely Eco Wads, what are you retailing those for? No, they're. Uh, I think if you buy them individually in 250, they're about 110, pounds a thousand. If you yep. buy by the thousand, they're about 95 quid. 95 quid. So in the realms of a sort of top end. They are a very top end game shell. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And a very, yeah, they're a top end game shell. Whereas, yeah. you know, uh, Clear Pigeon, for example, is what, about 70 quid a slab? Yeah. Like that, or two, 250 quid a thousand. Yeah, it's a much more reasonable yeah, yeah. price point. Yeah, but again, look at the difference in cost. I think uh, so. so my a, personal yeah. opinion on this is very much more of a a social change. I think I remember starting pigeon shooting as a kid, and the estate and the farmer would sort your shells because actually you're doing them this big favour. Yeah, yeah. and perhaps maybe there's a, a a swing if you are indeed doing that good a job for them that they might help subsidise. Uh, uh, yeah, and the other thing to bring into that is that. If we look at something like pigeons, yes, the cartridges are more expensive, but there are game dealers who will pay a premium for pigeons shot with steel. Agreed. There's a bit much bigger market for anything shot with steel. So, which is great. Yeah. So, so one would hope that yeah. they. That, that, I think it's just a wider social change, and people struggle with that. Yeah. Because it's been the same for quite a while. I know. And I, look, as with any change, uh, any move which elicits change is going to have people who adopt change early there are going to be people who are adverse to change and there are going to be people who have a concern about how that change affects them and whether they are willing to partake in it the the good thing about a voluntary transition is precisely that and we discussed it at the start it is voluntary this is not um you know your customers aren't going to come in here tomorrow and go Johnny, where's all your lead gone? You'd um, be surprised how many people have made a positive and conscious move over the course of this week gone from angry to can i try some steel out but good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. Oh, maybe you're not surprised. Maybe that was kind of part and parcel of what you guys were trying to achieve. I presume is to start a social change. Well, I, I think somebody has got to take that step. Mm -hmm. And certainly, what we've seen playing out on social media is that there is an unpopularity about the step that has been taken. And I think the good thing, uh, in terms of the way that the organisations have worked together, is that we've all taken that step together. Yeah. And we're hoping that over time, the shooting community will. So there are people that I've already seen that saying, great, brilliant. Um, indeed, there are other people on the other side going, just, you know, don't want it to happen. It can't happen. Um, there are even people that are saying that we haven't gone far enough as organisations. When you say far not far enough. enough, I mean, what were they hoping? Uh, Ban shooting. No, no just to, to see. So there were, there are people who limits. are calling, calling to see a legislative change around lead and plastic. I think there should be a legislative change about plastic when the time is right and we do have a viable alternative uh, in place. And I think the five-year transition period 
allow you to time to start looking at some Look of at what technology was like five years ago, where we are now. What can change in five years with the right mental attitude so, is vast. So, somebody's got to take the first step. Um, and it's a chicken and egg scenario, isn't it? Agreed, mate. Um, so, we'll work through a couple of these quickly. Yep. Uh, what if a gun won't take steel, was asked. Um, what if a gun won't take steel? So, uh, first thing to say is I've had quite a few calls and <clears throat> quite a few emails into my office saying, uh, this is my gun, it won't take steel, what am I going to do? Yep. Um, first question is, is it nitro-proof? If it's nitro-proof, it will take standard steel. But, uh, again, you have to be mindful of chokes, but certainly the CIP advice is that if your gun is nitro-proof, it can take standard steel cartridges, as long as your chamber length is, is you know, using the right chamber length cartridge, and we'll come on to that in a second. Um, but your shot size needs to be 3.25 millimetres. Mm. And there is some discrepancy between lead is sized in one size, steel yes, is sized in another size. There is a lead shot size 4 lead and shot a size steel four. shot size 3. Uh, other way around. Uh, lead shot size three, steel shot size four. Yeah. Mm, no. Well, how does Ely get away with making an eco one three? Uh, I think it might be size, and this is because it is a three point two five millimeter, which is why shot is always just a bit of a bollock anyway, because every country has a different size and it's all a yeah. lie. And if you open yeah. up a cartridge properly and have a look, that the variance is probably actually yeah. plus or minus one uh, shot size. I think that probably comes. Ah. It, it probably comes around from so the the standing advice around steel shot is you go two shot sizes down. So if you're using a lead number five, mm. you would move to a lead number three. A steel number three, yeah. Uh, but that's equal to a steel number four, but it's the same size, it's 3.25 millimeters, so yeah. Well, great. I'm glad because that is equally as confusing as it seemed when I read up on it, that actually <laughs> none of it makes a difference. However, I am also aware that CIP actually allows you up to four millimeters, which is a technical just shy of a BB, but 3.25 is the solid advice across the board. Solid advice, so you don't have to change your choke. so that will go through any choke yes uh, but there is so that it, it's really uh, complicated however i believe the basket advice also says that it may risk bulging but that's not your problem anyway um we'll move off of that because actually okay. we did a video on it and you go check that if anyone's yeah. interested uh, great just to help you out um what are the full chokers going to do after 2024 what are the full chokers going to do after 2024 i should interject here and say that all new Paratzis, Longthorns, Fab Arms, uh, the new Breeder Zenith, all full choke, fixed chokes are steel proofed and have been for like a year now. So, uh, so it's only old, what are old full chokers going to do after 2024? That probably answers part of the question is that part of having a transition period One is, may there need is, to is that upgrade. things are developed. Um, it may be that you, you elect to upgrade, but actually what you might see is that there is a new product that comes on the market that might be available. Quite possibly. So, you know, and those are the things we've got to think about. So, uh, as it stands at the moment, yeah, it might be quite difficult because we haven't got the availability, but uh, in five years' time it might be quite different. Uh, uh, yes, hopefully so. Or for currently, if you want to remove right now, have it take, have a choke taken out, shoot bismuth or tungsten, or don't shoot full choke with those things. We'll yeah. shoot lead because it's voluntary. Because yeah, it's voluntary. So, uh, yeah, uh, um, which what is this? How will this be policed? One of thought you're not going to police it because it's voluntary. Not going to police it because it's absolutely voluntary. Yeah. Right. So this is a hearts and minds thing as opposed to a law it, and letter thing. It, it is saying to people, 
look, we... This is potentially the future. This is the future. We, we need to get ourselves ready for it. My concern would be, if we don't take this move, and if we don't move voluntarily as a community to make steps towards moving away from lead and moving away from single-use plastic, is that we reach a point whereby legislation from Europe is imposed, mm -hmm. that our government take a decision to take that into UK law, and we as a shooting community are Within absolutely left bollocked, high and dry. Zero innovation. This is about getting us Then people us really would be unhappy, wouldn't they? They, they <laughs> would, but equally, because this is probably one of the areas whereby um, lead, is, lead is a heavy metal, it does have, quite good. It does have toxicity effects. Um, so, if we are putting that out into a uh, into the wider environment, there are impacts. Uh, the I, evidence I, I, sits there with impacts. I, I think, aside from what you say, um, I'm here to talk, but you are. But <laughs> my, my thoughts would be very much aligned as about keeping ourselves socially relevant. <laughs> to be seen to be throwing plastic into the environment is a knobhead's thing to do. And to be seen to be thinking, putting lead out into the environment for somebody, even though some of the evidence is ambiguous, although I would have thought if actually it was looked into properly, I think people may be a bit more scared or a bit quicker to change, um, that you just can't get away with it. Everything has to measure up to the year that you're in. And we don't particularly measure up with our current methods to the world if they were to look at us. And that keeping ourselves relevant is also gonna keep us mildly popular, even though people go, oh, people hate us anyway. They don't have to. Uh, we should be working uh, towards uh, the not hate. Absolutely, and, and, and public opinion sways government policy. Um, yes. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately, if we are looking at Europe having a stance whereby they are seeking to make probably overtly restrictive legislative changes, mm -hmm. is it not better that as a community we have taken an approach to self-regulation in one of the areas of concern, which is about the wider environment, putting lead and single-use plastic out into the wider environment? So if we can make a change in that direction for that particular asset, there are a number of areas where we are perhaps more concerned about the alternatives to lead, those being rifle ammunition, because um, once you drop below 6.5 millimeter, certainly the rimfire rounds, um, having viable good alternatives are not currently there on the market. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, they are being worked upon. They're being worked. They're upon. being worked upon, but uh, they're not there at this point in time. Mm -hmm. um, equally, you have you know playgrounds and enclosed environments. Uh, is one of the questions here yep. is what is the future of lead shot for clays? So, uh, I presume you have no intentions of doing that and would defend lead shooting for clays because... Absolutely, so you are, you are in effect... Um, until the Olympic standard becomes steel only. Operating in an enclosed environment, whereby as part of the uh, planning in, ha in terms of how those sites are, are operated, if lead is being put into environment in that quantity, there is some sort of mediation to prevent mm -hmm. there being any sort of toxic leachate. Equally, there are some grounds who will recover the shot. I know it's an expensive process. Um, it usually pays off shot. from what I understand. So but equally, um, you know, if they're firing money, so. uh, lead with plastic wads, which is, you know, popular in terms of the, the clay shooting scene, then those plastic wads can be recovered and recycled. Mm, even so, though most five wad performances now are so damn good. Very, very good. Yeah, very, very good. So, uh, and I guess the only point that sort of then adds on to that is that equally, um, you know, if you're clay shooting in a, let's term it a greenfield environment, maybe we need to think a about... A locally straw bale affair. We need to think about in terms of uh, where you're going to position yourself in the future in terms of the use of lead and use of single yes, plastic. Per, maybe perhaps. So, 
plastic wadded ammunition for shotguns, you are not going after, going after, you're not looking for a change there in clay shooting. No. Okay, cool. I thought that was quite unclear. Um, well, I would have thought that maybe you would have gone for that as well. Uh, but that is not so, my... No, I mean, ultimately, what the organisations have done is... is, And it's about calculating where the impacts and where we're likely to see an impact. Um, and that is certainly around the live quarry shooting piece and the wider open free environment. Um, and because of legislative changes. So what we are hoping is that by adopting this change in leadership, actually, because legislation and regulation and enforcement is very costly, mm-hmm. the government will look and say... Actually, these guys have got a grip of this as a community. Yeah, we don't need to. We worry don't need about to do anything them. else. So okay. your clay shooters, your rifle shooters, and where we have no viable alternatives at this point in time, actually remain safe. And because because to lose clay shooting, to lose target rifle shooting, oh. to lose, huge impact, yeah. absolutely huge impact. So. This is a, uh, a move to, to sort of seek the so alternatives. One of the questions is, what does the future look like for gun ownership because of this in-bass size? And I think from what you just said is you're still looking to maintain it. You're really looking to safeguard game shooting, which is clearly what this is about, or is clearly what it's about to me anyway. Tr- trying to safeguard shooting in its entirety, yeah. Okay. So we're going to take us over right back to the beginning. And most of the people's issues with this is the way that Basque handed it out. And we kind of spoke about it before. And and you have said that you don't regret the way it was handled or anything like that. That really does surprise me. Do you think Basque would do the same again? Uh, I, or have I, you, you learnt a lesson in? I, so I think PR. I th- yeah, I think I think ultimately, um, you know. Uh, oh, you don't care because no, no, people forget about it. In no, pl- well, no, no plan survives sort of uh, first contact. So I'm sure there are learning points that we would take away and 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 would change how things have been done. Um, but again, I've sort of come back to the piece that this this was across organisations and it had to be done in a coordinated way. And I don't think that it being leaked out or pushed out in a gradual fashion. So there has been some great work which has gone into this and, you know, we've been running sort of articles in terms of um, in the Bass magazine, I, we've been putting stuff out uh, online, but equally, it, it's I th- not been... Do you not think it would have been wiser to go through and, like, utilise the popular media that's already out there it's it really i mean it genuinely surprised me that you know andy crow hasn't been shooting all of his pigeons with steel this last however many months you have known um like it surprised me you haven't taken that as a really easy and obvious avenue to promote because it's when it is propaganda 101 isn't it well so and and i think because we are we are we are not sort of because there isn't a ban and because we are not saying to people that you've got to change overnight i think now we've got five years to start so people this start is the beginning of your easing this, this is this is the beginning of saying so to people start thinking about yeah, this way the statement of, wasn't as scary as it came across no so i think maybe that would be in fact where the mistake was made perhaps is that it came across very scary is that because that was the way that the statement was uh, prepared, or do you think that is because naturally, at the start of any change, it's, that a, is big, a, scary it's a big stone wall, isn't it? And it's a case of you kind of just threw it up in front of people, as opposed to just maybe over the course or, or, or a simple statement a couple of weeks before going, guys, this is on the cards. 
I think we'd have still got a, a, an adverse reaction in some quarters. I think we'd have oh, got a reaction thought in other so. quarters. Um, so I'd, it was about minimising hatred, right, <laughs> at the is, end of the day. Is, but from what you say, you actually haven't had a negative reaction other than some very noisy people on Facebook. Social media has absolutely stirred uh, some quite negative reaction in terms of the sort of the, the calls that we're getting into our um, regional offices and, and HQ teams. I would say there is a split. Um, there are certainly people who uh, who feel that this is the wrong way to go, and therefore, you know, that that is how they hold this. It's yeah, the wrong way fine. to go. We shouldn't yeah. be doing it. Equally, there are people, and, and there is no um, sort of even going through the sort of motions of explaining where we are, why we've done it, and much of what we've just discussed now. Um, they their view isn't changed, or they don't see. Uh, the necessity of moving away from lead shot. Equally, there are those people that start off on that foot, but actually, by the time that we've gone through a more in-depth explanation of the reasons, the rationale, actually, they're accepting that it's probably the right thing to do. And look, let's look over the next five years and see where it goes. Um, and equally, uh, as I said earlier, we have had people that have phoned up and said, "Look, I don't think you've gone far enough." Okay. So, what's the next? What is the plan for the next five years in that case? I mean, this is kind of the thing. If this is just you guys saying, "This is the plan." Yep. What's the plan? Or is, you know, this this sort of gradual phase out, or is it just a case of, is that just words that we're gradually hoping that people don't do it? Or in your head, is it a case of, will you guys be doing something to help this change? Absolutely. So what? It's, it, so we've got a bit of a chicken and egg situation going on. Um, and where we need to get to um, is a move away from lead and a move away from single-use plastic because of the legislative impacts and all the rest and the things that we've explained yeah. and talked about earlier in the video. Um, how do we support getting there? Well, somebody's obviously got to make the first step. Um, some of the cartridge manufacturers have made a step in terms of producing the steel and producing the uh, biodegradable wad ammunition. So there's a step. Equally, we have come out as a collective series of organisations to say, this is the way we think that we should be going. So. Almost we've now got the egg, so we need to start growing the chicken. Um, and getting into a situation whereby, so there are a number of things that we can do. We can support the ammunition manufacturers in terms of uh, lobbying, looking to secure funding for research and development. Because we've taken this step in terms of the chicken and the egg piece, actually we're saying to people, this is where we might want to end up and how do we get there. Um, that people will take that on, there'll be people who early adopt it. So they will be taking on part of this um, change in terms of the technology that they're using steel or bismuth or tungsten and you know biodegradable wads. So they will start to use it. So these adopters start to use it. That grows market demand and hopefully that also then feeds back into if we can secure some support from manufacturers in terms of developing new stuff. The market demand helps to generate that demand for them to develop the new stuff. So, so your job I presume is to win more hearts and minds to divert the money into the development. Yes, partially, but also, you know, part of my role at BASC is I oversee the sort of the, the regional forward-facing operations. So this is the delivering of, uh, you know, member engagement on the front line, community engagement on the front line. So training courses, advice sessions, members evenings where this will be sort of a core topic so that people can come in, they can ask questions, they can see how they might be able to, for their particular... Do you guys have a research department? We do have a research department, yeah. What do they do? So they, Will they be involved in this kind of leady steely kind of thing? A, a, absolutely, and, and they already are in terms of uh, the sort of the background research, the background science behind some of these moves. But equally, they are there in terms of our research department, and they are looking at things like 
the scientific evidence underpinning the need for general licences, the scientific evidence underpinning the Actually working impact. very closely with Game so, Wildlife Conservation Trust and, and the like. So yeah. there is a whole gambit of stuff that they will basically identify and underpin with the sort of scientific basis that we can then make policy okay. decisions and et cetera, et cetera, or support um, moves against attacks on shooting like we're seeing from Wild Justice. So actually it's, they are there to research and generate the science. Are they there to uh, help develop new ammunition technologies? No, because they don't have the, um, the specialism in that, but certainly in terms of where we can go in terms of trying to help the manufacturers secure government support um, or other support or funding from elsewhere, then, then we will absolutely do what we can to try and facilitate that because it's important in terms of the future of shooting. Um, and let's not forget, we've got nine organisations that have come together. It's not just your fault. It's not just bad. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, we've got <laughs> nine organisations who have come together because based on the available evidence and based on the looming issues that there are in Europe and based on the current developments in technology, in order to secure a long-term future for shooting, mm -hmm. this is where we feel we need to go as a community. Um, and I think ultimately that is the shooting community who join membership organisations require them to uh, seek to find ways to ensure that shooting yeah. is sustainable in the long term and that, you know, your kids, my kids. You're not just sat, sat there going, no, nope, we're never changing like some organisations. So and, and, but the, the other point of this is, is that far too long organisations have been reactionary. Mm -hmm. And actually part of what people, people complained about that too, by the way, to do is, is about being proactive. Yeah. So you are getting in front of the curve of this. You've got, you, you, we've got to change the way and our footing because we've got to analyse the types of threats that we might, and we're not, we're not always going to catch them because things will come completely mm -hmm. We saw that with the general licences last year, um, you know, and, and I think we're just trying to make sure that the shooting community is proactive and that we yeah. are seen to be progressive and actually underpinning what we're doing on a basis of trying to secure the future of shooting in yes. the long term. Making our bite as good as our bark or bark. Yeah, making our bite as good as our bark. Whatever you know, we, we, we speak a great game. We're great conservationists, but potentially there is holes in that. It's about closing those holes around. And going back to what you just said about general licenses, what's crack with them at the moment? Obviously we've had an extension, so which is really nice. At least gets us through a time of year where it's actually very important with no arguing and bun fighting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, two sort of key points to make on that. Mm -hmm. We did a, a huge amount of engagement with the government, with the ministers, with uh, DEFRA, who the parliament. They, they listened to you? Good. Uh, we've got an extension of licenses for six months. This is because, because, because of the It's fact not six years though, but six months is better than that. But yeah. ultimately it was better than coming to termination at the end of February. Yes, and 100% then and then not having nothing for two months again. Yeah, yeah. Precisely, so um, lobbying, talking sense, going through what the issues are in terms of, you know, if they withdraw these licenses at that particular point in time, what the sensitivities are, and coming to a position whereby, do you know what, you did a consultation, they had 4,000 responses, I believe. Is that it? I would have liked to have seen more, but equally, hopefully that gives them ample evidence on which to start making decisions around license purpose, species that they will put on it. Because a lot of this stuff, there isn't the scientific 
you know, registered papers, yeah. peer-reviewed papers. So actually the practitioner evidence is really important, yeah. really, really important. Um, and because of the timescales that had elapsed, basically our point to them was, well, you've had all these responses, you need to do something with it. So instead of terminating these licenses and coming out with something which actually probably isn't going to be fit for purpose, because A, you haven't had time to analyse all of those 4,000 responses, and B, you've not undertaken your stakeholder engagement, which you need to do. Um, let's give you some more time to consider those things. Mm -hmm. Let's ensure the stakeholder engagement happens, and let's work with you so that when in August, if that's the six month period, that we're looking to issue new licenses, let's get them right, and let's get them fit for purpose. The other thing that we are equally perturbed by uh, is this issue around control over European sites and within a 300 metre buffer. Yes. So, so you're going to try and hope, what, limit that, withdraw that, or is that not negotiable? Uh, we, we don't see that there is a... Um, Any reason to have magpies on there and not on the ground next to it? underpinning not allowing that control and on the flip side so if you have got world justice who are exercised about that particular issue in terms of european sites features of interest etc etc the flip side of that coin is if you are not permitting control on those sites and within 300 meters are you upholding your statutory duty to protect the features for which that site has been designated and do you have the evidence to show us that you are protecting those breeding birds for which some of those sites are designated? Are you protecting the features of interest for which, um, uh, you know, there might be a feature which, for example, Canada geese are impacting on um, because of the way that they feed and graze and trample, etc. Yes. So there, there are a huge range of Unfortunately, things. Unfortunately, they're not brave enough, any of these organisations, to come out and say, we need to kill shit to protect other things. Um, so there we is a, there are is two a large sides. impactor on the ground, and I just would love it if I don't know. It's, uh, we do a bit. Lots of people do a little bit. If everyone did a little bit more, and up to and including someone like RSPB said, actually, you know what, guys, we do need to control Canada geese numbers on here because of X, Y, and Z. And if you don't like it, that's conservation. But no, no well, maybe they'll come out and say that. You never know. Uh, but I, we can dream. I think there is a there is a valid argument there in terms of well if there are features of of interest which yeah. um we are unable to protect because these are protected sites <laughs> um if we're not able to protect those features are you as a government and those features we're talking about flora and fauna flora and fauna well they can be flora and fauna they can be geological features but equally predominantly flora and fauna and mm. there may be so um i undertake some kind of youth control on a site whereby uh last year i had to apply for an individual license because Canada geese, Egyptian geese were destroying, trampling, grazing off um, some nationally important plant species. Yes, which is, and there was no way they to keep they, them away. They don't care. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, and equally, if we are unable to take that, undertake that control in a sensible, measured way, which is the way that the general licences allow us to operate, do you, um, I mean, are they protecting those features of interest? Do you feel like a? Um, do you feel like any? That's not a question you're going to answer. But I was going to say, is there? Do you feel like any further restriction would not necessarily be a bad thing? Do you think a national register, perhaps run by Basque, of, let's say, I would say, kill, uh, kill vermin control returns? I so you're talking about bag recording. Um, yes. Uh, I so my personal view is I don't see the benefit. Okay. Because 
What does it tell you? Uh, uh, book of, uh, what it tells you is, I have killed 80 magpies a year for the last 50 years. It won't make a difference. I carry on doing it, but it will make a difference to everything else if I don't stop. So, uh, so my view would be there are already breeding bird, wetland bird censuses, which mm -hmm. give us a population estimate of um, species. Mm -hmm. um, and actually what we should be more concerned about is the conservation status of species that are threatened. Um, and the fact that I've shot 18 magpies doesn't impact on the conservation status of magpies. Does if there was only 18 there. But, I'm, but I'm not going to say I'm just playing devil's so, advocate. So, so but if, if we have a, a breeding bird census that tells us there are, I don't know, X number of 100,000 magpies in the country, mm -hmm. actually the fact that that next year when they do the survey there are still X number of thousand actually the the impact that we are having okay. is so I think to my view is let's turn it on its head actually there is an existing uh, scenario in place whereby we are monitoring or not we that organizations are monitoring these bird species numbers mm -hmm. voluntarily so BTO or FPV those sorts of things um, and actually we can monitor the population trends and for this pest species that we are talking about um, the population trends are not being impacted by yeah. Hunter. Um, I wouldn't uh, have thought they active. were anyway. So, yeah, interesting interesting way to look at it. Uh, do we need to add more burden into probably an already fairly um, burdensome, bu burdensome and bureaucratic process, which seems to have become slightly more burdensome and bureaucratic? Uh, I mean, I only put it from a perspective of wouldn't it be nice if everyone truly understood the reason behind why they do things, although that's just me being more facetious on the subject than anything else. Wouldn't it be nice if when someone's out shooting crows, what you're shooting them for, I'm shooting them to protect those birds over there nesting in that hedge. I've had 52 the last two years, blah, 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 and people taking responsibility for the knowledge of their own ground, making everyone a little micro-conservationist. But I realise that's also unrealistic. So, but so, that's like, that's just, I don't know, again. No, I get what you're saying, but my view would be is that I think people are- It's um, a bigger picture than just mate boy looking aware. after yeah. his 10 acres. So, and again, the other thing that, uh, particularly the way that you look at general licenses is actually that these are operating at a landscape scale. They are very much so. so and I, I think the way that they are currently works perfectly well, I should point out. I'm just, you know. Yeah, and I, and I think actually bollocks, let's, really. let's try and get to a position whereby we've got a really good workable license. And if they are so requiring us to think about the impacts on uh, designated sites, European sites, because of the control that happens or the control within 300 metres, actually let's get some really simple workable general licences which are applicable to those different types of sites and habitat, so mm -hmm. that if I need to go and do that control, actually it's underpinned by if they need it habitat. One would have thought that these European sites anyway have a lot of surveys that potentially would back you up scientifically to go and do the control, so perhaps that shouldn't be an issue anyway. Okay. Part of the course of action that we are reviewing into, and it, again, this comes in. You asked me about the research team, and actually, this is part and parcel of, of what they are there to do to, to get the underpinning research to look at the arguments in terms of. Actually, it's probably more important that we do use the general license right next to your land uh, than not, because you're trying to preserve X. And, it, and it's it's key principles of conservation, isn't it? It's it's um, uh, habitat availability to live in, it's food source availability to feed on, and then it's also control of predators. Um, yes. And that's where in an environment is that in. is not entirely natural. Yeah. In a way. Um, is there anything you'd like to conclude on um, other than everyone thinks you made a mistake, 
you guys don't think you do and I would have thought actually in reality in a couple of weeks time everyone would have calmed down I do feel like again I'll reiterate that perhaps if it, it was just you state uh, stating that we think that we need to change the steel it should have been done softer but I suppose everyone's going to hate you regardless of what you said so <laughs> hate's a very strong word isn't it oh um, I've seen some I've definitely received hate for what I said about it so yeah, <laughs> hate there is a lot of hate out there mate. Yeah, that's guaranteed I, I know and, it, and, and it's disappointing within um within the community because actually you don't have to be nice to shoot the all yeah but it's but, become very evident but ultimately what we should be doing is that we should be getting or working together uh actually to try and secure the future of shooting because that's what mm. we're all interested in yes um, i agree and i do realize that in some quarters this is going to be a, a an unpopular decision but and I, actually that's the only last question i have is how do you think hybrid trend will be impacted Given that that is probably one of the quarters that dislikes this the most, um, a number of things to say on that front is I that will listen. The beauty about this being voluntary is that if if we don't think, if they don't think that at this point in time there is a suitable viable alternative, well, they continue to use what they've got until there is a viable alternative put into the frame. The alternatives are um, we change the way in which we shoot. So, do I think that if you, uh, I'm not saying that I would want to try it, but you know, um, uh, an over and under chambered with three inch chambers uh, with wad stripping chokes in, and you could put three inch, you know, three inch three loads through it. Uh, steel, admittedly they will have a plastic wad in, yeah. but you can move away from the leather well, piece, but I'm not suggesting that is there a There may well option. come a point that there is a non-plastic yeah, option. But, but there's, I guess, three, there's three and a half inch over and unders as well, aren't there? What, but what, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are options that could be investigated. I don't necessarily think at this point in time that they are realistic and that no. people aren't going to be sort of running and jumping well, over Well, you to. don't think there's going to be ten blokes stood in a line with three and a half inch Magnum semi-automatic double gunning no, batting high birds. I don't think well, so. That's not going to no, change I don't tomorrow, think so. Um, uh, but equally, Maybe so in four years' time, it, it, it's about, and I think we touched on this at the beginning, didn't we? It's about that there is a, um, uh, it, it's a change and a change in the way that we do things. Um, and if there aren't viable alternatives at this point in time, well, you know, you stick with what works until such a time that something comes in. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you, we, we, I don't know if we've touched in, in this conversation, we did before we started, about the CIP regs and Basque will be pushing to open those up. So certainly part of what we would want to do is look at the regulations around uh, proof and in terms of the pressures and the uh, steel loads for which guns are In, in simple for. terms, that means faster cartridges, more death. <laughs> So faster cartridge, and you only have to look at some of the um, uh, you know American um, yeah. stuff that is being Swedish used, stuff. Yeah, Swedish some stuff. really powerful, cool stuff out there. Really, that we're not allowed to use really good ammunition, which we don't have. So you know, I shoot a um, uh, three and a half inch um, Benelli, and you know, whilst it's proof to CIP proof, there is absolutely no reason why I couldn't put some of that stuff through it because, yes, because it Americans do it and their guns are fine. Yeah, and, it, and it's just essentially the same gun, but from a legal standpoint, it isn't proofed to do it. Yes. So, um, and I think that's, that's part and parcel of what we've got to do is look at, in terms of getting those viable alternatives, that is one of the steps we have to yeah. go through is looking at the, um, the, the proof and whether there's a need to change proof regulations, particularly in relation to steel and 
I don't know, you used the term earlier, sort of super, super... Um, yes, a third proof option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would think that is, well, I don't know, I think that should be priority number one if you want to convince people, does, does steel kill well? No. Yes. No. Really? <laughs> so uh, it's interesting. So I, as a wildfire, I use steel frequently. For the last 20 um, odd years, I would have thought. Yeah, well, you know, I, I use steel, I use business, I use steel, and, you know, I ultimately use steel uh, for everything that I shoot in terms of, of, of wildfiring. Um, do you not use it for your pheasants? I do on occasions, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I do on occasions. Uh, okay, I thought, do you find they shoot differently? Or are you not good enough to tell? <laughs> Do I find they shoot differently? Um, yeah. I can't say that I've noticed a particular difference in terms of, um, not, I'm never going to claim to be someone that, you know, yeah. a particularly good shot, but I, I no, I don't. I, my view is, um, I miss just as many as lead as I do with steel. I kill just yeah. as many as I do with steel and lead. That's um, a good way of looking at it. Uh, and that's the way that I would look at it. And yeah, I've, I've used steel on, on pheasants, when I go out on on shoots, from you know, if we're in a particular area, we might over wetlands marshes, duck wetlands yeah. marshes, yeah, I'm opportunity ready. of duck, yeah. So yeah, and I, so I'm 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 content with using steel personally, and I, but I don't shoot in a number of situations whereby people might be saying, well, actually, for me, as somebody who shoots high pheasants, at the moment there isn't an option that I can go to, and therefore this is the part of the voluntary pieces yes. that you not until Basque open up CIP proof and allows to shoot two and a half thousand feet per second cartridges. Four inch magnum. <laughs> Develop the four inch magnum. The four inch magnum, I like it. So, yeah, yeah. Bring back 10 bore. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, so. There's options out there, 100%. There's, there's plenty of options out there for those who do want to shoot high pheasants with steel. There is options out there, just not without plastic wads at the moment. At this point in time. At this point in time. But, you know, hopefully yeah. we can secure as the um, as time goes on, hopefully we can secure uh, right. new products coming I love a good market. bit of innovation, same as the next man. So let's hope the future is bright. Um, we've covered just about everything I could ever want to cover. Is there anything else that we should know that's going to come out later this year? <laughs> <laughs> um, not not to my knowledge. Uh, so I think, um, you know, uh, the horizon pieces for the organisation at this point in time are certainly um, general licences, mm -hmm. big thing. We're working on that, working on that hard in terms of sort of government interaction, interaction with DEFRA. The Wild Justice Legal Challenge, which they have now gone into uh, seek judicial review, mm -hmm. so registered as an interested party, so we can get all of their legal arguments, legal paperwork coming through. Um, we can equally submit our own evidence as part of that. So we're going to, you know, we're fighting that hard, and across the organisations, they're fighting that hard. Trophy hunting regulations, con consultation. So the consultation well, around that's that. That's gone quiet, hasn't it? Uh, so we've now submitted as an organisation, we've submitted our response to that. Which was along the lines of basically there is there are existing uh, measures through CITES so so CITES pretty much cover what they're worried the about. CITES yeah. covers what they're worried about. Actually, any more restrictive regulation has unintended consequences. So you know, let's both domestically and abroad. domestically and yeah, abroad. Yeah. So domestically being, I presume, your key priority. Absolutely. So well, if, well, both because I think we are there to represent all shooters, but certainly in terms of the domestic situation, if we had a, a raft of legislation around trophy hunting, it paper, would put deer which, back to pest species status, which was not good for them fifty years ago. Well, would, less than that, thirty years ago. Would it? Would it do that, or would it actually just mean that actually it it made the culling of deer impossible? That so that so we've got to think about what the unintended consequences. Well, no, venison's are. still worth money, isn't it? It Culling, is still worth yeah. money, but how do you define a trophy? 
Well, they're never going to say you can't shoot that. Uh, but but it's a trophy. Uh, no, one hundred percent. Our big concern is is that you know we do have an awful lot of European uh, people, you know, hunters who come into the country, roam. Uh, rent, it's those good business things. and more importantly it's damn good for deer population uh, absolutely good, damn you know, good for conservation yeah 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 you know there's deer having value in deer means there's value in yeah. the, the what feeds the deer which has value and repercussions across the course so I mean so those horizon pieces those things we're working on obviously uh, lead transition single-use plastics is is another big thing which we've we've sort of talked around so it's gonna be a busy year mate yeah, it's a busy year. Very, very busy year. I'm going to end with a real tough one. And of course, you're going to answer it in the most patriotic way to Basque. <laughs> do you think Basque do a good enough job of promoting the sport? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I only have to look at the work that my guys do uh, across the regions in terms of the way that they engage with people. So we are not only engaging with... Um, the shooting community so that is about people who already shoot so it's about instilling best practice providing advice looking at new disciplines that they might want to get into it's also about uh, um, returning people into shooting so you get some people who will come in in their younger years they then go off because they get distracted by other things cars the opposite sex all those sorts of things that you know that 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 impact um uh, once you get say, your being distracted years. by having no money in your early 20s well, is usually and, and, the then, one, isn't and then it? having no money but then returning in their sort of 30s actually and, and actually reactivating people in so that's yep. another part of it um, and recruiting new people in that people are showing an interest and bringing them into the sport uh, completely new so there's one angle to it the other angle is it's the public engagement which we are really really focused on which is about saying to the general public here is what we do mm-hmm. here is how we do it here is what the benefits are Benefits in terms of food security, pest control, benefits in terms of conservation work, benefits in terms of economy, benefits in terms of people's social well-being. There's a huge amount of stuff that we can get out there and we can tell the general public. So, again, touched on this point earlier, uh, public perception is what governs government decision-making. Um, and actually, if the general public think that we are a pretty stand-up bunch of people, or actually don't care what we do, but when they come to see it under scrutiny actually we're transparent about the things that we do and how we yeah. go about it yeah, it's relevant but and stands up to everything yeah is it is it relevant in today's society and that's you know the the question that you pose me and it's about demonstrating that yeah we are we are relevant because um here are all the things that we do to the benefit of the environment that you enjoy as much as we do but you yeah. enjoy it for different reasons right this has been enlightening hopefully for everyone on here i was kind of hoping you'd be like crying and go we're so sorry <laughs> sorry for breaking all of your hearts uh, um, yeah but it's it's clear to me that actually maybe in the long term short term decision making was probably piss poor but I think by the time in a couple of weeks time people will start to get over this the information will start to filter out and people may start to calm down and I think that big thing at the beginning that you said about this being voluntary you don't have to do it yeah. but you're probably by the time this comes to a close going to be viewed as a bit of a knob if you don't Might be quite good. Mate, thank you very much.